Good evening, we're going to try to do another podcast. We're going to start off with a little bit of teaching on this one. Try to get a little bit of light on some things. and Hope you enjoy it. I try to do this because I know a lot of people, a lot of people that I know aren't able to really make church. And this, I hope, some of my family and my friends don't seem to be able to make church a lot, that maybe it can help you a little understand the Word of God, maybe help you draw a little closer to Jesus. And some seed fell on good ground, and it brought forth thirty, some and hundredfold. We want to be the good ground, that the Word of God falls upon our ears, and we hear it, and do not turn away from it. Ah, glory. We're going to discuss the Gospels tonight. Some, we're going to go into Matthew, the You'll find that the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke both had somewhat of a Sermon on the Mount, as they call it. It was a little different in Luke. What I believe is that, and what I've been taught, is that Matthew, of course, is one of the original 12 apostles and 12 disciples, and he was there when Jesus was talking. A lot of people may not realize it, but Luke wasn't. Luke was a Greek doctor that came into discipleship under the Apostle Paul, who was not there either. Paul came on along the road of Damascus, I believe it was. He was along the way, and he was headed his way out and on his way to persecute the church. And the Lord had other ideas. The Lord had another road for Paul. Paul was originally Saul of Tarsus. And he was struck down in the way, and the Lord spoke to him, and let him see such splendor and the God of light, the brightness of him, just blinded Paul. Paul heard the voice, but nobody around him could understand what it was saying. Paul went to praying, and Paul went to fasting, something we might all want to do a little bit of ourselves. And God sent over to another man, and another disciple, and he told him, he said, Paul, Saul of Tarsus is praying. I've got something for you. I want you to go over there and lay hands on him. He's seen in a vision a man coming called Ananias praying for him and touching him and healing him. And Ananias said, Lord, I've heard much of this man. He's done much evil to those that everybody's told me how he's persecuted the church. He's killed men and women and put them into prison just for calling on your name, Lord. And Jesus didn't try to butter him up. He didn't try to sidestep the issue. He didn't try to explain it to him. He said, go your way. This man is a chosen vessel to me, and I will show him what great things he must suffer my name's sake. He didn't try to tell Ananias, now, buddy, you know, you got to do this. It's something I need you to do. Come on, man, help me out here. That's not what he did. He commanded this man. He told him. He said, go your way. Don't, don't start telling me your excuses. Don't tell me why you can't do it. Go do what I told you to do. And Ananias Ananias was a good man. He was a righteous man. He did exactly what he was told to do. He walked into that house without fear and walked up to the man that was at president, the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr for the Christian faith. And he walked up to him and he said, Brother Saul, receive your healing. He laid hands on him and said, Receive your sight for the Lord Jesus, whom you saw by the way, heals you. Paul 
Pentecost immediately regained his sight and went to preaching the gospel. He didn't look back. He didn't ask questions. He just started studying deeper, started pulling out the word of God and understanding. He, he made a comment later. He said, I didn't go ask men about it. I asked God. He said, I dug deep. He said, I went to study and I went to looking into the word of God for myself. And I saw the son of God there, the one who gave his life for me. He said, I am chiefest among all sinners. But yet God saw fit to forgive. God saw a man that would do something for him. And the apostle Paul has probably laid out more structure in the Bible and the gospels here and even though he didn't write a gospel, but yet with all of his letters to the church, he laid out more structure for the church than probably any apostle there was. He was an educated man, whereas the rest of them, most of them weren't. Luke and Paul both were educated men. But the one thing we know is that some people try to tell you the apostles were wealthy and Jesus was rich, but that's not quite the case. The Pharisees and the rulers of that day looked at Peter and John and they said, seeing that they were unlearned and ignorant men, now that don't sound like they had too much because wealthy men got to go to school. But back in those days, the poor men just went to work, kind of like it is now. But anyway, Peter wasn't dirt poor. I mean, he had a fishing boat and John and James's brother, they fished with their daddy. It was kind of like, you know, craftsmen. But they didn't have a whole lot, you know, but what they had, they dropped and walked away from when they met the truth. When Jesus Christ came up and said, come, follow me. They didn't say, wait a minute, <laughs> I got I to sell my boat. Or I gotta, they just left their nets and followed him. There was no questioning. They had met the truth of God. They had met the life that gives life. They had met the one who loved them and gave his life for them. And they knew just in their heart, they couldn't do anything else. When he walked up and said, come follow me, what could they say? It was like when Elijah went by and touched Elisha and laid his mantle on him. And Elisha went, whoa, what just happened to me? And Elijah looked at him and said, what did I do to you? Elisha, he did get things kind of prepared. He, did, he tied up his chores fast. And then he went running after Elijah. And it was the same way when Jesus came by to the apostles he said to him, he said, come follow me. Only it was more. He had something to offer that Elijah couldn't offer. He had life to offer. And yet every one of them died a martyr's death except for John. But they could see past this world, people, something we can't do anymore. All we can see is what God's going to give us in this life. All we can do is hope what God's going to do for us here. We can't see past this world. And we've got to. First Peter 4 and 8. For love is a covering of a multitude of sins. Something else we've lost is love one for another. Especially in the church. Oh, a mother will love her children. A brother love his brother. Families love their families. But the church is becoming cold. Indifferent. We don't love each other like we're supposed to. Not like we need to. It's just not there anymore for most people. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will grow cold. That's another scripture that's just come true. But it's not, it doesn't have to be that way. It shouldn't be that way. But getting back to the lesson, 
We see in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew was there, and he heard Jesus preach on the mount. In chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, and seeing the multitudes, he went up unto a mountain. And when he was set, he called his disciples unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, and for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Ah, glory. The apostle Paul also wrote, The men of faith, some of them were sawn asunder. And it said, and I've heard that the reason that Hezekiah, very possibly the Lord, when he told King Hezekiah that he says, set your house in order, you're going to die. And Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and said, Lord, what for? He says, you know, I've lived righteously before you. He says, you know, I've walked in your way. I've, I've done right, Lord. Why cut me off so early? And before Isaiah could get back out of the house, I believe it was Isaiah came to him. He turned around and said, tell Hezekiah why I had 15 years to his life. Isaiah went back and told him. Isaiah didn't know at that time, I doubt, that Hezekiah was going to have a son called Manasseh, which would do much evil to the kingdom and to Hezekiah. For under Manasseh's reign, it's said that he had Hezekiah, he had Isaiah sawn in half. So had God taken Hezekiah's life, and being a righteous man, he would have brought him up to him. Manasseh wouldn't have been born because it said that Manasseh took the kingdom at 12 years old. So we see that God has reasons for what he does. It's not always punishment when he takes a righteous man away. Sometimes he just knows that something's going to go bad. And Manasseh was spoken of as one of the most evil kings of Israel. Yet his daddy was righteous. Hezekiah was a good man. But Manasseh wasn't. And Manasseh, it is said, was the one that Isaiah was sawn in sunder under, which is one of the things in Hebrews where it says that the world was not worthy. Some of them were sawn asunder, and that's probably Isaiah was talking about. But anyway, back to the lesson. What I'm trying to get to here, I'm kind of getting off some of these things. They kind of remind me of other things, and I kind of talk about different things at different times. But what we're trying to compare here is the gospel, the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, from the Gospel of Matthew, who was there under Jesus. And then how it changed with Luke. People say the Bible changes and all that. Well, it does some a little. It doesn't contradict itself. It does change a little because you have one man telling a story here, telling what he understands that happened, trying to convey. Luke is trying to convey this, I believe, to the Thessalonians of what happened with Jesus. Now, you're talking 2,000 years ago when they didn't have all the stuff we got now. These were handwritten and they were trying to pass one to another, and they were trying to tell the truth. But what do police tell you when two men telling the truth? It's going to vary a little bit. When it's exactly right, a lot of times that's a lie. 
Now, Isaiah's words were written down as a prophet. So the priests protected this, you see, and the other prophets. These were holy scriptures that were written down and protected by the priests. So these words didn't vary. The law, it didn't vary. But the gospel was the good news that Jesus Christ has come, come to save your souls. It was not considered actually necessarily scripture at the time. At the time, these men were trying to tell you what Jesus did. It became scripture. Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee, O Lord, gracious God of power and might, King of kings and Lord of lords, touch us today, Jesus. For a testament is not enforced until a man dies. Paul, I believe, was the one that said that. He said a testament is not enforced when a man is alive, but when a man dies. And Christ hung on the cross for our sins and Jesus, Master, Yeshua, my Lord. And his blood flowed from the hill of Golgotha 2,000 years ago where unrighteous men pinned him up on a tree and put him on a cross. And the blood that flowed was for their sins that killed him for our sins this day. For the same blood that flowed from his side 2,000 years ago, though a bone of him was not broken. They broke the legs of the other two, but as the scripture said, a bone of him would not be broken. Seeing he was already dead, they pierced his side, and now forth came blood and water. Ah, glory! And that blood was to the cleansing of our soul, for without the shedding of blood is no remission. There is no man, no child, no baby that these wicked men can sacrifice to cleanse sin. Only one. Only the precious blood of Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, knowing no sin, is the only man that ever walked the face of this earth pure. There is no infant pure. An infant is born in iniquity, shapen in iniquity, from a man and a woman's uncleanness. I'm sorry, that's what the Bible says, that when you have sex, it makes you unclean, and you're unclean until the evening after you bathe, and the next morning you're okay. But it is a matter of uncleanness. Jesus came and was born of a virgin. He was not born through sexual intercourse. He was born pure and holy from his birth. He knew no sin. He walked this earth 30 some years without sin. Try that on for size. You know what really separates you from God is the fact that God doesn't sin. God doesn't transgress. He walks righteously upright every day. He walks righteously and upright all the time. God is good all the time. That's what separates us. It's not just his enormous power. It's not just his great intellect. It's not just the omnipotent power of God. It's the fact that he doesn't sin. He doesn't transgress. He doesn't do things wrong. He does things right. And that's what he says separates us. But if we fall at his feet, you notice when Jesus came back, Oh, glory. They didn't walk up and pat him on the back. They fell at his feet and they cried and they wept. And they hung on to him like, don't leave us again. But yet he had to. But he said, if I go away, I will send a comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of truth. And he will comfort you. And he will tell you of things that are to be. Those things are still available today. That comforter fell on the day of Pentecost. And he's still with us today. 
though he may go back up for a short while just before Jesus returns, because Jesus said that except I go away, the Comforter cannot come. So it may be that when the Antichrist appears, we may not have the Comforter like we do now. Because when the Antichrist appears, it's just a short while after that that Jesus comes back. So there may be that we don't really have, I don't know that, but in Second Thessalonians it says, He that will let, will let until he be taken out of the way, and it's talking about the Spirit of Truth. It's talking about the Holy Ghost. It's saying that he's holding back the Antichrist. And that he's going to be taken out of the way, that's what it says. And then the man of sin will be revealed. Then the man of sin will appear. So right now, the spirit of truth is holding back the spirit of iniquity. And when he's taken out of the way, very likely it means he's going to send back up. And we're going to have a little short space, just like they had a short space between the ascension of Jesus and the falling of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost. There was a little space there that you know was in between. And we're probably going to have a little longer space there because we're going to have the working of the Antichrist. But I'm not going to get into all that. What I'm talking about right now is the persecution the church started going through, the trouble that they felt, the things that were happening. We see in the Gospel of Matthew, blessing. Jesus said there will come the time when you will long to see one of my days, but you will not see it. And that's sad to say, but it seems to be the way it is now. I mean, what day do you want to see when he healed the blinded man, the, the blind man? When he healed the dead, raised the dead. You see, this has always happened. Prophets have always healed the sick and healed lepers and raised the dead. But not everywhere you go. When Jesus was here, it was they were just laying people in a shadow of Peter's, you know, shadow that they might be healed. Jesus just touched them and it was done. It's just boom, everywhere. So we see the magnitude of his healings. It was just the the multitude of them, just so many of them. John said if everything that Jesus did were put into a book, the, the world could not contain the books that should be written. So we only got the highlights. John openly said if we'd tried to write down everything that Jesus did, we couldn't find enough paper to write it on. So we know that we just got the highlights. But the highlights is all we need. They gave you the roadmap to salvation. We don't need what these other people that think they're gods and think they're this and think they're that and want to try to take you outside of this word of God. We don't need that. That's not what we need. We need to stay in the word of God that is tried and true. You can get out there and get on some crazy stuff and it's going to take you right into the pit of hell. You need to stay in this word of God. Now there are a couple books out there that we're in the original scriptures that are arguably, perhaps, some of them are in the Catholic Bible. You know, I'm in a Protestant Bible, and that's what I prefer. But in the Catholic Bible, they have some of the Apocrypha. And I'm not saying all that's wrong. But we know that this Protestant Bible is tried and true. And I believe the Catholic Bible's safe, too. I mean, it's got some other, you know, Apocryphal books in it. But I don't think they're bad. I, I think they're Catholic Bible is probably fine. It's not the, the scripture. They just have scriptures. You know, the scriptures are good. It's what we do with the scriptures. It's how we interpret them and wrongly interpret them. Sometimes it causes problems. But what we're really talking about here today is the difference between the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew and the Sermon on the Mount in Luke. Now, it's very similar, as we read here, 
Neither do men light a candle but put it and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all that are in the house. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Think not that I am come to destroy the law of the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now, in fulfilling, he ended the law, because when he hung on the cross, he said, it is finished. <clears throat> and that's what he was talking about, about fulfilling it. He wasn't saying the law was wrong. He was saying that we were now fulfilled in that dispensation of law, and now grace and truth had come in by Jesus Christ. Now, grace and truth is not an easier way. Now, you, under the law, you had to do certain things to be saved, but the Bible teaches us, Paul said, the law could not save us. But the bringing in of a better hope did, and that better hope was Jesus Christ. And he demanded that it come from your heart, that you reach out and try to grab hold of something in God from your heart. He doesn't want just your everyday carnal ordinances. He wants it coming from the heart every day, seeking God, walking with God. Bringing it back to like it was when he first put Adam in the garden and he walked with Adam in the cool of the day. Ah, glory. Coming back to that fellowship that he had with man once before. He's not wanting just your, I did right today. He wants to know you. He wants you to know him. He wants to be able to live inside of you. Jesus said that that's been with you shall be in you. Too many people stop short. They get baptized and start going to church a little bit. And they think that's all there is to it. Get a little repentance going and that's all there is to it. No, my friend, you're just scratching the surface. You're just getting started. There's so much more there. Would you like a little more in God? You can't ever ever run out of new things to experience with the Lord of heaven. He always has got something a little better for you the next time if you'll just dig a little deeper. There's things in God that'll make you turn away from the things on this world. Ah, glory. King of kings and Lord of lords, touch us today, Jesus. Bless today, O Lord. But now let's get over to Luke and chapter 6. Verse 20, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, now here we go again, we have where Matthew told what happened with Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount, and now we have Luke, which was Paul's disciple, and Paul was a disciple of the early church, but he never met Jesus, so of course between this and this, you're going to have a little different wording, but they're trying to tell you what happened, and they know what happened, it's not a different gospel, it's just got a little more flavor of the persecution of the church in it because you'll see here whereas you didn't see cursing over here but now Luke put a little bit of woe in here and I got a feeling it was because they was feeling kind of down sometimes because they were being woed upon I mean the church had started going through persecution trouble had come and so you see that coming out of their words blessed be you poor for yours is the kingdom of God Blessed are ye that hunger now, for ye shall be filled. Blessed are ye that weep now, for ye shall laugh. So we see the sorrow in Luke's writings here. We see how troubled he was a little bit. It wasn't troubled trouble, because Paul said, You that are troubled, rest with us. He had the rest of the Christ in his heart. But he also had the persecution of the church upon him. And he saw people suffering, and he saw trouble. 
Blessed are ye when men shall hate you, and when they shall separate you from their company, and shall reproach you, and cast you out of your name as evil, for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice ye in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. And the like manner did their fathers unto the prophets. But woe unto you. And I say, that didn't happen like that over here in the fifth chapter of Matthew. He didn't say woe unto you. He didn't start that in. So Luke brought this in a little different here because he was bringing in some of the things that they were suffering and some of the stuff that they were going through. But woe unto you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. Didn't James, the brother of Jesus, also speak about the rich? Being, how they trod upon them in that day and deceived them for their wages, would work you and not pay you? And there's reasons why they felt this way. Woe unto you that are full, for you shall hunger. Again, we see in seeing the rich. Now, you got to understand, Luke was an educated doctor. He could have been a rich man if that's what he wanted. But he chose to suffer with the church. He chose to let that stuff go and give up his good life, his educated and wealthy life, and chose to be a disciple of Jesus, which in that day didn't bring a lot of money. Woe unto you that laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. See, Jesus said something very similar back over here when he said that, if we back up here, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So Jesus was speaking blessing. See, because when Christ was here before the cross, it was blessing. Everywhere he touched, he fed the 5,000, he fed the 4,000. That wasn't contradictory. He did it a couple different times. And uh, there was blessing going on. But Jesus now had been killed, crucified, raised again, ascended. And now the church was coming under persecution. And so Luke was over here with a different life. He wasn't feeling a lot of the blessings. He was seeing a lot of the hurt. But still, he didn't turn away from Jesus. Woe unto you, and all men shall speak well of you, for so do their fathers and to the false prophets. So it's a very similar scripture. But we see the flavor of the persecution of the church influencing these scriptures a little. But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, offer also the other. And him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take away thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and of him that would taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do unto you, do you also to them likewise. For if you love them which love you, what thank have you? For sinners also love those that love them. And if we do good to them which do good to you, what thank have you? For sinners also do even the same. And if you lend to them of whom you hope to receive, what thank have you? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love ye your enemies, and do good, and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be called the children of the highest. For he is kind to the unthankful and to the evil. But be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Given, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over shall men given to your bosom. For with what same measure that you meet, with all it shall be measured to you again. So we see that 
It's basically the same message here. But it had been handed down by word of mouth. By the time it got from this point to this point, it was a little different. But did it really give a different message? We see, I believe, that we're looking at the persecution of the church influencing their heart when they spoke their words and trying to tell you what Jesus said. But nobody's trying to deceive anybody here. We see a little difference in it because when you tell something from word of mouth from here to here, it's going to be a little different. But we don't see any difference in truth. We don't see any difference in the righteousness of it. The words are the same. It's telling the same thing. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. But I say unto you, whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. Whosoever say to his brother reckless shall be in danger of the council bird. Whosoever says thou fool shall be in danger of hellfire. Jesus was telling them the same things. You know, he was telling them, do good to men. Luke over here was trying to convey the same messages. It was just a little more elaborated over here. It's not that he gave a different gospel. It's not that they lied or anything was changed. It was just a different man trying to tell you what Jesus said over here. Another man was trying to tell you what Jesus said. Now, Matthew may have come a little closer to the exact words because he was there. Luke got this from Paul. Paul got it from somebody else, and so it did change a little bit as far as the wording goes. But the Gospels are not like where they copied down the words of Jeremiah and kept them in holy scrolls. The Gospels are different men trying to tell you what happened with Jesus. So we're not talking about lies or deception here. We're talking about men with the joy and the love of God in their heart and the anointing of the Holy Ghost trying to tell you the good things of God. Well, I'm going to probably call it a quits now. We've talked long enough. So anytime somebody tells you the Bible contradicts itself, it does not. The wording in the Gospels may change a little bit because Mark's Gospel is a little different than John's Gospel. John's Gospel is a lot different. But they're not. there's no lies here. There's no deceit here. This is good men trying to tell you what happened with Jesus. Lord bless y'all and keep y'all. And if your heart is in the right place, if you're seeking truth, if you want to know God, if you love the truth, Jesus will reveal himself to you. He'll come to you. There is no honest God-fearing man. There's no man looking for righteousness who loves the truth and wants to know God that God will hide himself from. God's not going to do that. You will be, you'll be honest with God. You shed forth the truth, and the truth will come back to you. you. You show the truth. You seek the truth. You desire God righteousness. You desire God to help you, and God will help you. The Lord bless you and keep you all. And may the love of God fill your hearts. May you turn your heart to the living and true God and Jesus Christ. And binding now the hand of the devil, coming against every evil work and everything that would cause trouble in your life. And may the mercies of the living God smile upon you this day. In Jesus' mighty name, love y'all. Lord bless. Amen.